All right, you're all in for a treat today, everybody. How is it going today, my lovely listeners? Whether your answer is good, bad, or maybe somewhere in between, I hope these next few minutes provide a respite for your soul as we talk about the hard spaces. So my name is Brenna, and today I'm joined by another podcaster, an amazing woman, Hannah Hughes, and we're going to be chatting about eating disorders and hearing about her story today and kind of the awesome work that she's doing uh, for the Lord. So I'm so excited to dive in. So welcome to the show, Hannah. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. I love what you're doing, and I cannot wait to have this conversation. Yes, same, same, girl. So why don't you, for anyone who is not following you on Instagram and your amazing ministry that you're doing, why don't you introduce yourself, talk about what you've been doing, kind of what stage of life you're in? Yeah. Okay, so I am— uh, I, every time I get asked this question, it's one of those things where it's like, where do I start? I know. <laughs> I do I do a lot of random things, but I, I would say at the end of the day, I'm a very passionate, ambitious person who just really loves helping women discover their purpose and step into that with confidence. And that's really come from my own story of just going through a lot of really challenging seasons in my own life, um, just personal struggles and relationship struggles that have brought me to a point of overcoming in different areas of my life, specifically in learning to reclaim my story, mm. use my voice for good, and really let God take every bit of my pain and my mess and use it to help other people. So I'm really, I just love the vulnerable conversations. I love talking about the hard stuff, the taboo stuff, kind of like what you're doing here. I just love it. So um, I wrote a book about my story a couple years ago, but I left out a part that in in recent years I've really continued to heal from, and that was that I experienced some sexual trauma as well. And so um, in the past few years since writing that book, that really deals more with my eating disorder and experience with depression, anxiety, suicide, things like that. Um, God has really brought this last piece. Well, I say last piece. It's ongoing. But, you know, right. this this big piece that I never felt ready to talk about, I felt like it was the last thing, um, the thing that nobody had to know. Um, but I just realized anything that I was holding on to kept God from getting glory in that area and helping other people in that area. So— through my healing journey, I felt ready to share about it. And I just, as I prayed and thought about it and got a vision for how I wanted to use my story to help other women, maybe who haven't even experienced abuse, but just that feeling like their story, their voice doesn't matter, or they don't matter. Um, and I just thought about that verse in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the lamb mm. and by the words of our testimony. Amen. And that's something that I've been really passionate about is just embracing your story, sharing your story and letting God do what he does with it, you know? And so that is where by words, the community, the ministry, and the podcast now that I have come up with is that's the heart of it. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm I'm using my words and giving a platform for other women to share their words and their story to talk about those things and help us understand um, how to navigate the challenges and different seasons and changes of life. And also how do we approach this thing called purpose and what does that even look like um, in God's eyes and and how it all fleshes out, you know? Mm. So in a nutshell, that's what I'm doing. I'm also a wife, a mom, huge book nerd. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. Uh, thank you for sharing, Hannah. Yeah, I feel like in a world filled with so many voices, so much media, what you're doing in the voice and the platform that you have is so needed and is so healing and is doing great work for the kingdom. So just thank you for what you're doing. This is I'm so thank excited you. to dive into this conversation. So you mentioned a little bit, you, you mentioned a little bit about your story. And I know we're going to be focusing on an aspect of your story. Again, I know you have this, I mean, everyone get the book. We'll talk about it at the end of the podcast, <laughs> but like really dive into Hannah's story. You'll find, uh, I found it um, 
really powerful. And I think a, a part of it and one of the topics that I wanted to pick out uh, was eating disorders. So why don't we kind of start this conversation with you sharing your story and kind of how eating disorder played a role in that? Yeah. So I feel like at some point as women, we all experience a little bit of, you know, maybe not even body image struggles, but just like a consciousness of our body and how the world perceives our body. What's good? What's not good? How do we be accepted? And like, you know, how do we come to terms and come to peace with the body we have? And that has been a very long journey for me. Um, When I was in second grade, my two best friends told me that I was fat. (laughs) And so as a second grader, you know, that's a very, that's an age where you're not super aware, but I just remember from that moment having this awareness that I did not have previously about my body and that people are looking at my body and deciding whether it's good or whether it's acceptable or or labeling it, defining me a certain way based on how I look. And for me, that was just really life-changing. And um, through my elementary and junior high and high school experience, it kind of continued. And the thing is, I was never like overweight. I was a normal kid, but you know, kids just say things. Um, and it stuck with me for a long time. So as I got into junior high and started having like skin struggles and I wasn't as skinny as some of the other girls and all the the puberty stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just felt very uncomfortable in my own skin. But I remember being in sixth grade and just feeling really uncomfortable. Like a lot of my friends were very pretty and skinny, you know, in my mind, Mm -hmm. I didn't look like that. So I wasn't pretty and I wasn't acceptable. But if I was skinny, if I was prettier, then I bet people would like me more. I bet I would be more popular. I bet people would want to be around me. You know, like I bet I would be happier, more confident, all of those things. I just started to reason with myself that if I change the way I look, it will change the, the way people respond to me. And so At first, it just started with giving away my lunch at school. And then it got to, you know, like I would skip breakfast Mm. and then I'd find a way around eating dinner as well. And so at the time, I just remember thinking to myself one day, um, because I was always really interested in psychology. I was in a psychology class and we were talking about eating disorders and I was so fascinated by it. But I never thought I had it that bad. Wow. I was like, yeah, I mean, those girls out there, they're they're anorexic. They're super skinny. You can tell that they're sick and like they're just not doing well. But from the outside, you would never know I had an eating disorder. So I didn't have it that bad. Like nobody would know. It's not a big deal. And so I convinced myself it's not a big deal. And then it turned into, well, I could no longer avoid eating because my parents were going to be suspicious. Teachers started asking what was going on. And so I would start eating and eating and eating and eating a lot. And then I'd feel guilty. And then I started purging. Mm. And so I I had this like combo of not eating and then also bulimia. So it was a little bit of both for me. And that lasted almost seven years, all the way through high school into my first year of college. And it just became so normal to me. It's, It's so weird being on the other side of it now, because when I was in it, I just truly could not imagine another way. Mm. I felt like this is the only way to maintain my body, which I didn't even love. So I don't know why I I was thinking that it was a good option Mm. for me. I I started to feel the effects on my gut and, and my skin and my teeth and all those things, you know, like that prolonged eating disorders do to your body, but you just don't think about it when you're in it because you have one goal and it's like, I want to be pretty. I want to be acceptable. I want people to look at me and not 
see my body as the first thing that they're defining me by. You know what I mean? Um, and it could sound so crazy to someone who hasn't experienced it, but there's just there's just something about being in that mental space, thinking that that's what it takes that keeps you going. And and it, I just got stuck in that endless cycle Man. for a long time. Did you did you get to a point where you realized like okay like I like you were aware that you had the eating disorder or did you just keep kind of telling yourself like no 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 this is just like this is just who I am this is how I eat this yeah. is my like what was sort of the thought process through those 7 years Yeah so I would say a couple years in I I knew that it was not good for me to not be eating and so I I transitioned to more just bulimia mm-hmm. and I just remember every time I threw up, I would hope it was the last time. Ugh. Like I would sincerely sincerely think to myself, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be done with this. Mm. I know this is damaging my body. I had heard stories about girls who just years and years and years, I actually knew a woman who was older than me by several years, like an adult at the time, who had an eating for eating disorder for a long time. And it just damaged her body to a point where now she she just really cannot go back to how she was before. It's damaged her organs yeah. and things like that. And it scared me. I was like, I don't want to do that to myself. Um, but anytime I ate something that I I had internally labeled a bad food, I would feel so guilty that I just had to do it again. Mm. I was like, I, I just can't live with the idea of this being in my body. I regretted it so much that I felt like throwing up was my only option. And then I would think again, like, I really don't want to do that anymore. And I try to eat healthy, like what I labeled healthy foods mm-hmm. for a few days, but was really just restrictive. And then I'd be so hungry that I would binge and it it just happened all over again, you know? So I think there was a point where I was conscious, this is not good. Yeah. Like I, I knew this was not a good path I was going down. But for whatever reason, I just felt so trapped. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't think I had another option. I was It was just so normal to me. It was like my default process, day in, day out. I eat a good food, okay, I'm good. I eat a bad food, like a cookie or a piece of cake at a party. It was like, I felt like I had no control and I would go <sighs> overboard. And then I would just feel so guilty that I had to do it again. yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of conversations with some people in my life who have similar struggle with eating disorders, and they say the exact same thing about labeling food good and bad. And you, and mm. that word always runs through my mind when I'm hearing stories like that is like, you're just trapped, like you're stuck in this cycle. Yeah. So was there a point, um, w- let's sort of like move into like the healing then, because I know you said mm. like parents and teachers kind of started to pick up on this a little bit, and you're you're obviously aware of what's going on. Like yeah. kind of, you know, continuing with your story, how did you how did you find healing? What does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like when people talk about eating disorders, a lot of the time they associate this idea of control, which I do believe is true. I feel like people, not everyone, I won't say it's a blanket statement, but pretty often people who are struggling with eating disorders, it gives them a sense of control because it's like one thing in their life that they have power over. Mm. Like I get to choose what goes into my body. So I'm just going to use that as some sort of security, some sort of power, um, that, that I have control over, you know? So, um, for me at the time, I felt very, very out of control. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, Mm. a lot of depression. And again, at this point, I'm like, I don't think it's that bad, but my friends are starting to worry about me. I had started cutting. Um, and one night actually, and, and this is what I talk about in my book. This is what the, the book is based on is this one moment because I was at a party one night and a friend said something to me that was kind of just 
the final straw. And I had a total mental breakdown Mm -hmm. and I had already been struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts for a while, but I had just decided, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, I I feel like my only option is just to end this because I just really can't imagine living this way anymore. So I went home that night with the intent of ending my life. So I went upstairs, closed my bedroom door, and it turns out that same night, one of my friend's had told their mom about everything that I was going through, like had found out about my cutting and my depression and all of this, told their mom. And their mom told my mom, and my mom found out everything. So that night when I was in my room, my mom was downstairs below me in her room just praying. Mm. And so in the book, I talk about how this experience was just crazy. Like I, all I remember from that night was crying and then I woke up the next morning and that's when everything came out. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I didn't know that she knew, but the next morning— um, my parents sat me down and were just like, hey, is this true? Like, are you cutting? Are you struggling with depression? Mm. Is it this bad? Like, do you, are you struggling with suicidal thoughts? And it's so, it's so interesting because I feel like when you have any kind of mental health struggle, you can get so upset. Like, I just remember being so angry that my parents knew, but at the same time, like I, I wanted help. I needed help. Yeah. I did not know how to ask for it. But I just felt so betrayed because I had this little bubble where I felt like I could control a little piece of my life, but now everyone knew. And so I felt totally exposed and it was uncomfortable. So I was really upset with my parents. But through that experience, um, it was really, it was a really good experience because I knew for the first time that my parents, I knew they loved me, but I didn't know how they would respond to this kind of pain that I was in. I didn't know if they'd understand. Like my dad had made comments before about like, stop being so negative. You just need to get over it. And Mm. so, you know, I was like, I can't talk to them about this, but they just were very supportive and saying, you know, like, we'll do whatever we need to do to get you help. So anyway, all of that to say, I started going to counseling. um, And because I was dealing with some clinical depression at the time, it got diagnosed and I was seeing a psychiatrist and I was having one of those appointments and my mom was there with me because I was, I don't know, like 14, 15 at the time. And um, my mom just looked really upset and, and the doctor was like, are you okay? Like, what are you thinking right now? And my mom was like, I think she's making herself throw up. <sighs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> how in the world? Like, I thought I was so sneaky about it. Yeah. Um, but she, for however reason, found out. Um, and so I had to say yes, that I was, um, because I couldn't keep hiding it anymore. So at that point, I started seeing um, a counselor and a nutritionist. And that is the point when I started realizing the impacts that I was having on my body through this eating disorder. Because at this point, it had been maybe four years or so into my eating disorder. And I just, <laughs> like, I, I kept these papers for so long. I think I still have them. But when I started seeing my nutritionist, she would give me homework mm. after each session for the week. And literally on the paper, my homework would be eat a sandwich. Oh my gosh. Like it would be things like that where for me it was like, looking back, I'm like, that is extreme, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can look at that and be like, that is really extreme that it was a really huge deal if I could get myself to eat a sandwich because bread was one of my bad foods or whatever, you know? And and so I just remember one day being in my um, nutritionist's office and we were working on some really extensive rehab for me and deciding whether I needed to be put into an inpatient rehab. At the time, I was just doing outpatient stuff and and therapy and things. And um, she just looked at me and she was like, Hannah, I want to be honest with you. If you do not make a change, you're going to die. I'm trying to help you. And I need you to know how serious this is. And that was the only thing that woke me up was just 
hearing how serious it was. Cause I, at the time I was like, you know, whatever, I don't really care. This is my life. I accept it, but I didn't really understand the consequences that were coming from my actions. Mm. And so hearing her say to my face, like, do you understand you are hurting yourself more than you realize and it's got to stop or this is going to be the outcome. You know, I've seen it before. This is how it goes. Please change. Mm -hmm. Please do something. I I really want to see better for you. And I think that for me was just hearing someone say like, honestly, this is what's happening. And I care enough about you to be honest and, and help you take responsibility. And so with that, I say that there was a lot of control, but for me, it was also just uh, just a, a mindset norm for me. And I I talk a lot about mindset on my podcast and in my social media, I do a lot of mindset coaching. But for me, I have learned that everything starts in thoughts. And a lot of the time when it comes to things like eating disorders or, you know, whatever the behavior is mm-hmm. that we want to change, we approach those things where, you know, we think let's just change the behavior. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I was just trying to change my behavior. I was trying to just, you know, eat healthier, eat a sandwich, like whatever I needed to do. But no lasting change was happening because I was only focusing on my behavior and my thoughts were staying exactly the same. So through that experience of just counseling and understanding the underlying thought processes that led me to this point helped me realize that if my thoughts are what got my behavior and overall action, like my life normal to this point, it was going to take changing my thoughts and my mindsets for me to ever change my actions. Does that make sense? No, that's so powerful. And that that's sort of a theme I've noticed with some of the topics that I've been talking about on this podcast is like behavior behavior modification versus like getting to the actual root of the problem, yeah. right? And I think sometimes that's where I've experienced a disconnect in um like I grew up in the church and I, and I know from your story you have you have as well is like mm-hmm. sometimes like oh just pray about it. Oh, here's a Bible verse. Or, oh, just this, so you change the behavior. Right. And it's like, well, right. let's let's really, like you're saying, with mindset and, like, how God sees you and values you, like, let's really dwell on that and let's let mm. that be the foundation to go, you know, to do practical things for healing, like going to counseling and, and yeah. nutritionists or, you know, whatever the issue is. So, yeah, I think that makes total sense. I think that's super important to think about. Um, Mm. so where are you kind of at now? Like with your relationship with food, is it one of those things like I'm free? I never have to struggle with this again. Is there still like an issue there? Um, cause sometimes I feel like there's, there can be this misconception of like, I like, yes, there's like healing, but is there like, is it still a constant battle for you? Like, I guess Mm. where are you kind of at now with, with eating disorders? Yeah. So I do not have an eating disorder anymore. Um, I I do still struggle, you know, in different ways with body image and things like that. You know, I've been through a pregnancy. I've been through different things in recent years that just as you age and your body changes, you just have to learn to navigate life in different ways to care for yourself differently and all of that. And I'm so grateful for my years of counseling and therapy and things like that because it really has set me up to continue doing the mindset work, which is what I focus on the most now. Because at this point in my healing journey, I do still struggle um, I, I have hard days, Every yeah. like everybody, you totally. know, we all have those days where it's like, oh my gosh, am I back to square one? I feel like I'm starting over, mm-hmm. but I, I know now that if I'm feeling this way or if I'm doing these things, it's like, okay, what, what was I thinking about that made me get to this point? You know, like, how did I get to this point in my actions yeah. that I don't like? Let's trace it all the way back up because I don't know if anyone's already shared this on the show, but there's this mindset model where everything starts in your thoughts and then it goes to your feelings, which impact your desires, which impact, you know, like everything else all the way down to your behavior, which creates your overall 
life experience, Mm. right? And so for me, if I am feeling something, I'm like, what have I been thinking about that's making me feel this way? Why am I feeling so overwhelmed? What have I been thinking about? Why am I feeling so hard and critical towards my body, towards whatever, my productivity or what, you know, like all of that. And I go back to the thought and I'm like, okay, that's where I need to get back to Jesus, get back to the word, get back to truth. And, and some, I'm thankful for a mentor who told me this is just that feelings will follow the thought and feelings follow the truth. So sometimes it's really hard for me to speak those truths over myself and to pray because I'm like, I don't believe this at all. Yeah. (laughs) But I continue to go back to it. And eventually I see those things change. It's just, it can be a slow process that I feel like in the healing journey can be frustrating at times because it's like, I feel like I should be farther along by now or whatever it might be. But really, if we are doing the work of, you know, dwelling on the truth, like you said, getting those thoughts to a more positive, I mean, okay, so I I think about it this way, you know, like the same thoughts that got me in that rut over and over again that created like a default mode in my brain We do the same thing with positive Mm. thoughts. So it just takes time. It takes consistency. It takes repetition and commitment to the process. And over time, you will see freedom. You you will see freedom. I just want to emphasize that. Like there are days where I feel like, am I ever going to get out of this? But I remind myself like, I, I have freedom. It may not be looking like it today, but I believe it. And so tomorrow can be different. The next day can be different. You know, like I'm still in the process. I'm still in the journey. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope that answers the no, question. No, that I think what you're saying is is super powerful, super healing, especially for people who feel like they're in the middle of it right now, maybe have never stepped foot in a counselor's door and are terrified. Yeah. And going back to part of your story, what you were saying is you feel, and that was something I realized too, doing my like research and like talking with friends about this topic is like the idea of control and being in your bubble and you can feel super safe. And I think someone who might be in that position right now is like, I'm comfortable. I'm not, I don't, I know I'm not okay, but I'm comfortable. And I'm right. comfortable living in the negative, you know, the negativity and the mindset thoughts that lead me to this because that's what you've known for so long. And I think change yeah. is terrifying, especially, and I think there, there's a spiritual warfare aspect to this too of like, the enemy doing everything in his power to keep you there, right? And so I think he's going to keep filling your mind with more lies and trying to keep you more comfortable in in the pain um, and in the struggle, uh, which is really, really hard. Um, But so so through your story, um, I know we mentioned, yeah, we both have grown up in church, but kind of what was your experience and what are your thoughts on like, did the church help at all? Did you hear, like, I guess— how do you feel like the church has addressed this issue if they have at all? What is sort of your stance on that? Yeah, that's such a good question because I do feel like it's kind of taboo even still. Like I don't I don't know if I've necessarily ever heard eating disorders or even like how to care for your body talked about in church um, aside from it being someone's testimony, you know? And that's actually something I've had conversations with friends about is like, God— cares about how we treat our bodies, you know, like if we do not take care of these bodies, like we cannot effectively do the work that he's placed us here to do. You know what I mean? And that's something I wish was talked about more. But I think what you said earlier, when we were talking about addressing the behavior was the main thing that I experienced, you know, even if I was sharing my struggles, it was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll be praying that you'll be able to, you know, get through that Mm -hmm. and kind of emphasis on the action, which I feel like is the norm. And it's, I don't think it's ill-intended in the church, but a lot of the time we focus on the sin, we focus on the issue, all of that, instead of like realizing, wow, if someone is struggling with a sin, whether it's like 
an eating disorder or a pornography addiction or whatever, like the behavior is the last part of the problem. Mm. You know what I mean? What's going on in their heart that's causing them to think this behavior is okay or it's safe or it's comfortable for them, you know? Yeah. Like there's something underneath that that needs to be addressed. And a lot of the times it's an identity issue. It's a, it's, it's a belief system issue. And those are the things that I wish we could get into girls' brains. <laughs> like at a young age, I wish we could get that into our hearts. Like if we can help young girls know who they are and the truth about them, the behavior, uh, we could stop it in its tracks before it ever gets to any yes. kind of manifestation. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, and amen to that. I remember, yeah, like even because I was reflecting a little bit before this podcast about my experience in the church and some of the, and that's part of the reason I'm starting this whole podcast too. Is again, I love the church. I think this, I want this to be like an aspect of like, hey, this is how we can improve. Let's try to like address yeah. these in our youth groups and at the pulpit. Like, let's talk about these things. Um, because like you're saying, they're often tied to like huge, like other issues, like even like hearing your story or like reading about other people's stories with, um, eating disorders. It's not this isolated thing. It's like related to anxiety, control, Mm. depression, image of God, how you see yourself, what you believe about yourself, how you want to be accepted by like all of these things. And it's like, if we could like have more of these conversations and equip the church to, to help people. So they, like you said, it's not ill intent to say, I want to pray for you. Cause you like coming from somebody who had friends that had that, it's like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Like you don't know. And so you just want to say, I'm going to pray for you. But then it sounds trite and you're just like, I'm so stressed. So um, yeah, yeah, I think like the church really like diving into these issues and thinking about them in a holistic way to bring healing, especially to young women um, and how they see themselves in like my experience with youth group being like a lot of times I felt like there were these conversations about just in terms of my how I saw myself in my identity as a woman is like like how you dress, like don't be a temptress mm-hmm. and like all these. And so like, yeah. I would, yeah. I would really like focus on these like exterior things. And I'm like, ah, like super stressed, but there wasn't a lot of like speaking into like my identity as a woman in mm-hmm. the Lord and like what that means and like letting that like sink into have like roots. So when these issues come that can lead to the negative thoughts that lead to eating disorders, depression, suicide, pornography addictions, that women also struggle with, it's like, then I would have those roots to come back to and be like, no, this is who I am. And like focusing on right. that. I, that was something that just sort of stood out to me and like, sort of how do we, how do we approach that as a church better? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I'm loving this conversation. I honestly could talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we were talking about the church. Um, okay. So I mentioned this a little bit about the enemy's attacks because I really do think that there's like this whole spiritual warfare aspect to this too. Like obviously like it's a mental um, illness and there's issues um, regarding that. But I think like that uh, one thing that sort of stood out in your story too is like, and anyone who's become coming into womanhood, this idea of mm. self-awareness and comparison is huge. Mm. It's huge. And I feel like the enemy does everything in his power to get us to like look horizontally and just like yeah. stay focused on like, she's like tall, blonde, beautiful, like woman, which Hollywood has defined as beauty for the next, you know, mm-hmm. few decades. I mean, it's probably going to change in the next, you know, the definition right. of beauty yeah. always changes <laughs> in the world's eyes. Um, so let me base my identity and my value off of that versus like looking horizontally or sorry, vertically perspective and who God says I am and how I see myself. 
Um, Mm. But yeah, what are sort of your thoughts on kind of like the spiritual warfare aspect of all of this and your experience kind of, you know, battling this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so huge. And I feel like this is something that is either overlooked or considered like way out there, weird to talk about. But I I really do believe it's a real thing. And the enemy is doing a really great job at what he does, Mm -hmm. especially in the United States where the media is telling us what is acceptable. The media is telling us what's pretty. Even with the more body positivity movement that's happening, there's still this standard that we feel as women we have to fit in order to be accepted or to have opportunities even. Like I have a friend I've had this conversation with before and um, she's she's struggled with, you know, just different issues of uh, comparison, like mm-hmm. literally all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but she's said before, like, she feels like pretty people have more opportunities. Pretty privilege, so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yes, mm-hmm. that. And so even that for some people, I'm like, wow, is this what's normal? Like, especially from the church, are we affirming that this Oof, is normal? Come on. Mm. Like, what? what is it? Where's the disconnect here? Because, um, man, it's just— because the comparison thing, that is, oh, he'll get you. You know what I mean? And I feel like it kind of just goes back to being really intentional about knowing the truth about yourself. Because the more you are rooted in the truth, the less easily you'll be swayed by the lies. And I feel like for me, I've just gotten to this point of realizing I'm not in competition with anybody, actually. It's it's actually a waste of my time and energy, which I think is exactly what the enemy wants, for me to focus on— how I measure against other people, which number one, it doesn't matter at all. Number two, like our stories, our callings, our purpose, our timeline is so different that it would never help me to compare. Mm. I can learn from other people's stories, but if I'm measuring myself, my ability, my worth, my value, my potential against what someone else is doing, it will never benefit me. It will never help me. It will never help me feel better. So why do we do it? Like, why do we spend so much time and energy? And it's just a tactic of the enemy Mm. to keep us running in circles Mm -hmm. and stuck instead of moving forward. Because I think if we could, number one, understand who we are, and number two, learn to celebrate who other people are and love them on their journey, love love our own journey, then it would be, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine Mm -hmm. the world we would live in if we did just those two things? Mm -hmm. Like, we'd be able to accomplish our purpose. We'd be able to pursue our own callings, feel confident in who we've been created to be and accomplish the things we've been created to accomplish. It's just crazy to think that, but it's so hard. It's much easier said than done, right? Because like, I'll probably get on Instagram later today and be like, oh my gosh, this (laughs) mom has it all together and I'm a wreck, you know? Yeah. It's normal, but that that is, you know, where it comes back to, okay, like, why am I feeling that way? Mm. It's probably because I've been thinking maybe I'm not doing a good job. Maybe I'm a failure. Maybe I have these underlying things that I actually believe about myself that aren't true, but are Mm. making me more susceptible to comparison. So it's like, anytime I feel those things, any negative feeling I use as a, I don't know, I, I think of it as like, okay, this is a key for me to identify something that's going on beneath the surface. Because if I am not feeling something that aligns with truth, there's been a disconnect Mm -hmm. and it's probably a lie that I'm believing about myself or my situation. Does that make sense? Amen, yeah. And and even thinking like in my own life, this idea of comparison, I mean, I know we're talking about, you know, eating disorders, but just in general, what you're saying, I've been listening to some sermons and one of the pastors I love listening to is Matt Chandler and he was talking about Mm. social media and he was saying like, what are you letting into your soul every day. And I was like, okay, that's mm. kind of intense. But it's true. Yeah, like, wow. Like, like <laughs> this is. whole thing that, you, that you've been talking about, a mindset is like, where are those 
thoughts coming from? Well, it's probably from what you're intaking most of the day. Because I found in my own life, yeah. if I'm, if I'm, to be honest, I only got Instagram for the podcast. I don't actually like scroll through <laughs> stuff. Sorry, guys, if I follow you, <laughs> like, like every now and then, maybe, but I really don't. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, if I am like intaking everyone's highlight real lives. You know, again, it's a highlight reel. It's not the real lives at all. Like, right. no, I mean, yes, there's beautiful moments in life we can share and celebrate. Again, I probably am, um, in terms of the spectrum of social media, I'm pretty far to one side of like against it, but maybe I'm a <laughs> hypocrite because I have it. But so what I'm trying to say is this is a long way of saying is, yeah, what are you letting into your soul to take root to lead to this pattern that Hannah's been talking about with mindset to thoughts, to feelings, to desires, to actions, right? Like this sort of pattern. Yeah. And it's like, you like the enemy's tactic is to make it think like it's not a big deal, but it is. So maybe we should be doing more stuff in our power to like protect ourselves and what that looks like. Again, easier said than done. But like if we really mm. want to like put on the armor and battle this because it is a battle. It's it's our souls we're talking about here. These are real things. This is like Hannah's like has this desire to like almost like unleash us into who like the full potential God's calling us mm. into. And it's like, what are we doing to step into that? Um and it's so, so hard. It's it's such a battle. It's such a journey. And I want this episode to be encouraging to everyone listening. Um, so yeah, I would just uh, want to sort of end as we're kind of ending our conversation. What what kind of would be your parting words and advice that you'd want to say to the young woman listening who feels like they were at where you were at like five years ago of like, I don't, this is like what I'm comfortable in. This is where I'm at. So what would be kind of your mm. your last words to her? Yeah. Man, I I just understand. I know what it's like to be in it and not think that there's another way. And I just want you to know there is another way. I want you to know, because I remember the days where I could not imagine a different kind of life. I could not imagine a life where I could eat whatever I want and enjoy it. I could go out to eat with people and not think about how my food is going to change my body Mm. shape or something like that. You know, I never thought it was possible to get to this place in my life, but I am here and I can tell you that it is possible. There is no limit to the freedom God wants to give you. And I just want to encourage you to receive that in any any way that feels comfortable for you in each stage of the journey. Like he will give you as much as you're ready to receive. And I think a lot of that comes from letting people into your story, whether it's your parents or a trusted mentor, a counselor, a nutritionist, a therapist, someone that can just remind you of the truth when it's harder for you to see it yourself because there's so many there's so many good things about you there's so much purpose in you and it has absolutely nothing to do with the way your body looks and so i think if you can just let yourself give yourself permission to disconnect your worth from the way that you look your purpose your potential your abilities from the way that you look Man, that's a great starting point. It's a long journey, but it is one that's worth it. And I would just encourage you to stick it out because there's so much freedom on the other side of it. And you will be here sitting here and and telling your story and helping someone when you're on the other side of it too. Yes, yes. Thank you, Hannah. That's so encouraging. I want you to just take a moment and share where can people get your book? Where can people plug into buy words? Kind of do do a little self-promotion here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to be friends and have conversations like this. I'm usually over on Instagram. It's the Hannah Hughes. Um, My website is the same, thehannahughes.com. That's where you can find my books. 
links to my podcast. The podcast is called By Words. It's everywhere you can listen to podcasts. But um, yeah, we have conversations like this, just talking about the real stuff and getting down to, you know, like what's going on underneath these struggles and these things that keep us from really living out our purpose with confidence. So I'd love to have you there. And again, thank you so much, Brenna, for having me. This has been so, so good. Of course, of course. I'm being blessed by this conversation. I I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'll put all the links, connections, um, Instagram names in my bio for this um, this in the description of this episode. But thank you, Hannah, again for being here. What a blessing it has been. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of Soul Things Podcast. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's soul underscore things underscore podcast. It's a lot of underscores. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I would love to connect with you guys. I release a new episode every Friday. I'm also doing mini series, just diving into more taboo topics um, on my Instagram page. So just love to connect with you guys. Also stay tuned. I'm starting a blog soon, so I'm super excited to start talking about vulnerable topics and sharing my story um, through a blog as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, But thanks everybody for joining me on this journey through navigating your 20s. Remember, even in the hard spaces, His grace abounds. See you next week.